Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Demartini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. I'm just so thrilled today to be talking with all of you. Uh, and I know you all have been emailing and and connecting with us about the things that we're planning to do here during this uh, time that we live in. So why America has gone from coronavirus stress syndrome to coronavirus mass hysteria and psychosis with Dr. Carol Lieberman today, my very special guest. And this is a question that has, both of us, I would try to say, that this has been a pondering question but there may be some things we share with you today that would give you some insight, but even more important than insight today is to give you some things that you can do, things that will help you along the way. Uh, I will say this today, that both of us, right, Dr. Carol, for sure, uh, she and I are both have been plugged into podcasting, what people call podcasting, longer than most people. And believe it or not, we have our origins, I think, in the same place and same network. But the thing beyond all of that is what is it about a lifetime of seeing patients, testifying at trials, being a forensic psychiatrist, all of the above, everything she's done, a witness, uh, working on creating books for the public, understanding how to bring the message out, you know, an Emmy honored TV personality, been on Oprah, all of that, all of that, and putting all of that to aside, hmm. Dr. Carol Lieberman today uh, and, and myself, we are here to talk about something that I don't know that Dr. Lieberman had thought that she would be talking about today. I know that I have been through downsizes in the economy. We've been through a lot, but I don't know that we could have predicted this. And I don't know that we could have predicted the state that we're in right now. Dr. Lieberman, Dr. Carroll, it's so great to have you here. Welcome. Thank you so much. Uh, Look, I know that you have a lifetime of seeing patients. I know that you have seen the epidemic of opioid crisis. I know that you have seen uh, new categorizations, as I have, in state of affairs in the world of psychology and what people are experimenting. Could you have predicted seeing what you're seeing now? No. Um... The only thing it makes me think of when uh, you asked me that is, you know, this after my MD, I went to um, UCLA to get a master's in public health. 
and I got an NIMH grant to, uh, to study epidemiology, and I used it to study how the media can help people uh, prevent and treat various illnesses. And so I had all these courses, and I remember one of the teachers saying that, you know, we had eradicated smallpox and we eradicated all of these various things, but that we shouldn't get too cocky because some, some pandemic or epidemic could still come back and we could have such a similar kind of thing as we had in the past. And so his words are uh, sort of echoing in my head. But I don't think I would have, even with that, I wouldn't have expected that we would be having such draconian rules put on us. That is the part that bothers me the most. I mean, of course, coronavirus is horrible. We don't have to, everybody knows that. But um, what I am more concerned about uh, is the rules that are being put into place, such as for self-isolation and all of that, because that too has lethality. And I think that the mayors and governors aren't realizing that, don't know about that, uh, or if they know they don't care, or they've chosen to, um, you know, this this, uh, way of doing things instead. But it's the lethality of, that we're, and we're going to be seeing this more and more, the lethality of being isolated, depending, of course, uh, upon how long we're going to have to be isolated. But yeah. that lethality is going to turn out to be worse, higher than coronavirus, at least in the United States. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I am so right there with you because, well, first of all, I have talked about my family's history. I have a mother who committed suicide when I was six years old. Hmm. Now, when you have, and pretty much buried all three of my sisters, um, when you have something like that, you get to see isolation and loneliness up front. My own personal story, my own personal stories of addiction, recovery, whatever you want to talk about, I understand isolation, but we are not even scratching the surface with what you're talking about. You know, it reminds me of, okay, so I'm going to go like cheesy old school on you for a minute. You know, the iceberg picture, like with the iceberg and the tip is above the water and the rest of the icebergs down there. That's what you're talking about to me. Yeah. Yeah. And let's just talk about what kind of isolation we're talking about. So, I work with people in senior centers. I mm. do volunteer work. You know, I, I mean, I'm very, I'm very much part of this community. And we were talking the other day and somebody asked the question, well, we're not picking folks up on the buses anymore. And the people that generally come to their homes are not coming. Mm. And then the question came up, well, what are those folks doing? And then, you know what the answer was? Oh, well. And I thought, what? (laughs) (laughs) But let's talk about the fact that here we are, and not everybody has CNN, not everybody in the world even has access to what we're doing here today. What do you think is the level of uh, of symptoms that we will start to see with folks in isolation? There are going to be so many different kinds of problems. 
um, first of all, just isolation in itself. There have been studies um, that, you know, in case these uh, politicians wanted to check it out, there have been studies, as you obviously know, about the impact of isolation on our bodies and our minds. I mean, way before coronavirus. And um, so some of the things that it affects is um, our, particularly our cardiovascular system with heart attacks and strokes. Um, it affects our immune system. It affects uh, hormones. I explain it as anything in your body that is vulnerable, like we're all born with genetic predispositions to various illnesses. And then of course things happen in our life that make us more vulnerable to certain things. And so wherever you are vulnerable, the stress of isolation is going to affect you. And then, um, you know, and then of course, with the whole coronavirus stress syndrome that I came up with, um, the reason why I've been trying to tell people about that so much is because the most important thing I think that we need to realize is how um, stress, whether it's from isolation or just from, you know, watching too much television and uh, thinking we're all going to die because that's what they're telling us, right? Yeah. yeah. Turn, it's, you're going to die. That's the message. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the stress of that um, is affects most of all affects our immune system. And what do we need most in this era of coronavirus? Our immune system. So instead of trying to figure out um, for the average person, you know, because the scientists can't figure it out yet, how many feet we're supposed to be from each other or how long a coronavirus sits on the shelf or all of these things, what's important is keeping yourself as healthy as possible, doing things to lower your stress, doing things, um, the, the things that our mothers taught us or our fathers taught us that we learned as little kids or our teachers taught us, um, you know, wash your hands and eat healthily and um, vi take vitamins and get enough sleep and get enough exercise. And of course, you know, uh, the ro recent thing in California is that, um, I mean, it's probably in other places. Yeah. Too. I mean, we're supposed to stay inside our house, but in California this past weekend, uh, a lot of people apparently went to the beaches. Yeah. And it wasn't as bad as uh, Florida, you know, right. in Florida, but we've been having a lot of rain here. And so when a nice day occurred on a Saturday, <laughs> you know, people went to the beaches. And so now we have this rule that um, you can't go to the beach and you can't also go on the hiking trails. And one of the things that is so important for people to do is to exercise. Yeah. That, you know, they don't have to um, stay or go in clusters like on the beach or on a hiking trail, but to close off all these different opportunities is not healthy either. either. Yeah. I, I mean, I wonder, I want to ask you this question, Dr. Carroll, right? And we're going to skip this break. I wonder what the people that are making these guidelines are watching. Yeah. Now, I will tell you, in the past week, I have gotten more Italian jokes, and this is not a laughing matter. Mm. I have gotten more conversations, more comments, more emails about whether or not I'm taking extra precautions because I'm Italian. Huh. And and I'm thinking to myself, I must have missed the memo. <laughs> I have must have missed 
the memo. Then I get the other emails because guess what sport I play? Like a crazy person, what sport do you think I play? Table tennis, ping pong. Then I get the other email. Yeah. uh Oh my God, what are you doing? Are you not playing? Are you what? And I'm like, why? Well, because it's the Chinese virus. And I'm thinking, oh, I must I be lit- because the ball touched the table or something. No, it's not even that. But that would be why I'm not playing. Just <laughs> between you and me, <laughs> I'm not playing because, first of all, the six feet rule, you can do that. Most of us play six feet from the table, period. <laughs> we now wear black gloves to play. So even if I were to go out and play, and there's nothing open for you to go out and play here in Washington State at all. So you can't even go play. But if I were to play, I have a way to take, this is going to see bizarre, but you can take a CPAC machine or an ozone generator and you could put all your little table tennis balls in there and clean them up. But that wasn't the comment. And so let's talk about how we started this show and talking about how we went from a stress syndrome to mass hysteria that even has to do with race. Yes, boy. And people don't get it that, that, I mean, I don't think you've gone to Italy in the last few months have you (laughs) only through zoom (laughs) i don't i don't think but we're not really thinking this through and so your help today and you and i working this through about what people can do and we're not just talking about a couple of folks that may be home with their dog or their cats but you've got your little kiddos home let's say Or maybe you've got your mother or your father living with you. Or maybe your mother and father are not living with you, but you're not going to see them. That that's such an important thing. You know, what are we doing about that? um, That really hurts my heart. Yeah. That um, there are all these either whether they're in their own apartment or own house alone or in senior centers, you know, uh, senior residences of sort. Um, to not, I mean, they, that is so important to have your children visit you and, um, now to not be allowed to do that, uh, it, it, we're going to be having older people dying from that lack of attention and, and family support. That is just cruel. You know, I'm sure you've seen some pictures of, um, like some children going to homes where their, where their, uh, parents are and where there's a window, like a resident. But where there's a window, you know, good for lucky for them. But most of the seniors are not going to be next to a window that you where you can sit outside and talk on the phone. So yes, that there's going to uh, there's going to be a lot of casualties with that. Um, but just to go back to what you were saying about Italian and Chinese, yes, and you know, especially when it started, uh, when it was primarily in China that the news was about. Um, there were there were episodes, there were reports. I'm sure you know this about. Uh, kids taunting and bullying Chinese kids, thinking with this confused thought that they're going to give them these these little children, Chinese children, are going to somehow give them the coronavirus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? The, to your point, stress syndrome. Which let's talk about what stress syndrome is, because I I want to make sure we're clear in defining this for people. Sure. 
and what the scale is, what it takes to go from stress syndrome to mass hysteria, because we need to talk about that, Dr. Carroll. And the reason we do is if we're not telling people to observe oneself, figure out where you are in the scheme of things. If we can't say, let's talk about where you are, and there are healthy levels of stress, just like, like some people believe there are healthy levels of fear, there are healthy levels of different things. But when you go from that to mass hysteria, it takes on behavioral characteristics we need to talk about today. We need to talk about these things today. Now, of course, what's interesting, though, is that I originally defined the coronavirus stress syndrome on March 1st. And some of these things that I'm going to tell you about have now been things that the government is telling us, uh, you know, has given us um, rules for making these things more normal and not um, an, a, um, an overreaction to the coronavirus. But, you know, now some of these things will seem like normal, like the number, number 10, which was my most extreme, stay home until the pandemic passes. Now that's what we're supposed to do. So everything is changing from day to day. That's why I said we've gone to, uh, to mass hysteria, you know, from this. But the first uh, symptom, of course, of the coronavirus stress syndrome is anxiety related to your fear of catching coronavirus. Now, it's normal to have some anxiety about it, um, but an overreaction is what I'm talking about. And then an obsession with news, watching it, listening to it, looking at the internet for more than three hours a day. Then a compulsion to keep checking how many people have died and how close they are to you. Then um, now uh, my next one was avoiding mixing with people such as on public transportation or in malls or movie theaters. And I would explain this by saying, um, if you have a job, I mean, I still, this is still true, but now, you know, we're being told not to, uh, but if you have a job and you need to take a bus to get there, I was suggesting that you don't, if you know, if you're lucky enough to still have a job and you need to take a bus or other public transportation, then you should do it. Um, ordering things in and panic shopping and stockpiling uh, more than you could ever use. Obviously, that's hurting all of us um, because you know some people have all the toilet paper and others don't. And you know, the, uh, uh, the toilet paper besides. Yeah. I, I'm, I was hoping you were going to talk about it. Well, you know, I, I, I was hoping we were going to talk about this because it, it's it's symptomatic of the underneath the iceberg thing that we start, right? Right. And, <laughs> and, and it's also a metaphor for what um, we are being, the new laws or the new, they're not really laws, but the rules that are being put into place without thinking about the consequences. So, okay, um, we had this panic buying of, of uh, toilet paper, and it was primarily by people who were watching the news and thinking we're all going to die and somehow so toilet paper was going to save them. Um, and so what do we have now, uh, at least in California or Los Angeles? I'm not sure if you, I would imagine it's all over wherever there's, well, I would imagine it's all over. What people are doing when they weren't able to buy toilet paper 
um, is to use other kinds of products. And these other kinds of products they're putting in the toilet bowl instead of um, you know, disposing of them in a relatively hygienic way uh, in the garbage. And so now we have stocked up toilet poles. <laughs> like, duh, <laughs> that we should have, people should have been told about this. I mean, you'd think it was common sense, but so this is sort of a metaphor for what is happening with a lot of our rules, like the rules for all this ice, total isolation. Yeah, but are, isn't this, so let, let me add one little thing to your list, if I may. Yeah. The thing that I'm noticing right, is when we are in this place where we're moving from, and, and I know you're going to talk about this, when we're moving from the stress syndrome to hysteria, when we're in that place, the place of hysteria is absent of common sense. Yes. yes. Right. So even though we're talking about things of common sense, once we pass a threshold, which I know you're going to talk about, I'm so excited to talk to you about today. There's a point you get to where, where you cross what I call the stress, the, the stress hysteria portal. It's like a little portal when you could be right on the edge, but there's something that gets you like, oh, I took that step over there. Right. right? To actually, I've taken one step. Now I'm full blown living in that space. And it's absent from common sense because hysteria by the very nature doesn't allow, right, for us to stop and breathe. Yes, absolutely. Um, and part of this started with, a uh, part of the, the hysteria actually started with the fact that in China, there was all this cover up. I mean, of course, you know, there was the cover up of them not telling us how serious yeah. it was and all that. But even the things that that kind of leaked out about the people they were killing, they were, well, they were putting in isolation, you know, not because of coronavirus, but they, because they didn't want them to spread the information. Like there was a man, first doctor, who was um, giving information to his buddies from med school when he saw the first cases and he recognized that it was something different than they had ever seen before. And they quickly shut him down and then he got coronavirus and died. And then the next man was this man who uh, went around taking pictures of people in these makeshift hospitals in Wuhan and showing and, and in body bags and showing people just how bad it was. And they, we don't know what happened to him. I mean, he's not taking pictures anymore. No. Um, so all of this was really scary to begin with. And then of course, just the nonstop media all about it. And, you know, I had mentioned about being in public uh, um, health school. Yeah. One of the things that they taught us was um, whenever you have, whenever you're reporting about some health problem, you should never report something just the scary parts. Like if you're going to be reporting something scary, you have to end with things that people can do about it. Not just, you know, oh, we're all going to die. And yet, you know, for example, so many of the stations have call it when they're going to do some report about coronavirus, the coronavirus crisis. Stay tuned for the coronavirus crisis. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, why couldn't we call it the coronavirus 
uh, uh, challenge or or not catastrophe, but um, illness or something. There has to be some better word than crisis. Um, so those kinds of things and that all of that um, and then being alone. And of course, it's important for people to call and, and text and email and, and Zoom and all of this with other people, Skype. Um, but, and, and it would be good to do that at least three times a day with people. But in those times when you're not getting yeah. from people or when you are talking to people and they are as fear-mongering as um, the news, then uh, it just pushes you more into that hysteria that you were just mentioning. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's sort of we're living in this this double edge at the moment. And we'll talk about that when we come back, because one of the things for sure that we know and we are in a digital world, we're in a digital world. I mean, we talk about our network and the fact that every show we do reaches a hundred media outlet because of our technology. But if we're able to do that with, with our network, imagine how digital we have become at every age in a family, right? Starting with very young kids that now have phones, right? right? So we're now living in this digital age that and this is what I want to talk with you about when we come back. So we have the grand order to self, right? To, to actually self-quarantine. Then you have the family then, then, in, in, then brings on more rules, more regulations. I'm going to take your phone from you. And so this is the ripple effect of what's happening. And Ooh. so when we come back, I want to talk about how we go from mass hysteria to what's happening in communities, but family hysteria, which nobody's talking about. Uh -huh. take, oh my God, I can't wait to hear what we talk about here. Dr. Carol Lieberman joining me here today. When we come back, I want to provide you a lot of information about how to find out more about her, my very special guest today. We are also taking your calls, 1-800-930-2819. If you are watching us on facebook.com slash transformation talk radio, put your questions in there. We'll do our best to get these on air. We're going to take a shorty. We'll be right back. Sometimes being human has its challenges. Our physical health falters, our spirits sag, our dreams don't immediately come to fruition. Welcome to the power of Maximum Medicine Radio. Join me, Doc Martin, in conversations that will blow your mind about healing. In our hit show, Doc Martin addresses the scientific with bridging to the mystical approaches to give you a new narrative about maximum medicine. In this live call-in show, we will journey into the extraordinary genius of the human body and talk about other beliefs that impact being your multidimensional self. We seek the seen and the unseen and explore the earthbound and the otherworldly, all with the purpose of calling forth the maximum you. To learn more about Doc Martin and Maximum Medicine, visit www.sharonmartinmd.com.
Stuck in a roundabout of dysfunction? Stop circling around difficult issues and find out what's been holding you back. Learn how to speak your truth to power with host Dr. Kathy Obear. Create real change with smart tools and smart strategies. No frills, no fluff, just life-changing conversations to help get you where you want to be. Extend your reach and become an agent for real change with Kathy Obear. For more information on Kathy and her work, please visit drkathyobear.com. That's drkathyobear.com. Did you know that all of the shows on the Transformation Radio Network are available as podcasts to stream or download? Really? Check us out. Go to transformationradio.fm. We have business shows, spiritual shows, energy healing shows, and pretty much everything in between. Something for everyone guaranteed to inspire, educate, and transform. We are transforming the world one listener at a time. Tune in to Lucid Planet Radio with Dr. Kelly Neff. This hit show will illuminate your senses and empower you beyond your daily stressors and hardships. Renowned psychologist and author Dr. Kelly will captivate you with far-reaching topics and amazing guests as you wake to the greatest version of yourself. Learn to tap into your intuitions, think critically about our world, heal emotional and psychological wounds, and follow your passions to live your dreams. The Lucid Planet. Welcome home. Visit lucidplanetradio.com for more information. It's time to get your life back on Burn Bright Today with Jennifer Marcinelli. Tune in each month on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Learn to move from the darkness of burning out to the light of burning bright. Jennifer is redefining stress and the energetic causes of burnout, shining a light on process to get your life back. For more information about Jennifer and her work, visit BurnBrightToday.com. Hey, everybody, welcome back. Yep, Dr. Carol Lieberman joining me here today. Why America has gone from coronavirus stress syndrome to coronavirus mass hysteria and psychosis. And, you know, she and I use that language uh, very carefully, very cautiously, but very powerfully because, you know, she has dedicated a lifetime to helping people. And it should be no surprise to all of you that she is out in front of this or trying to be out in front of this as we are. Uh, Dr. Carroll, before we finish, you know, the 10 uh, points that you were making, and you're going to be talking about something new that I think is super important. How do people find out more about you? How do they find out about the work you do, your, your publications, all of the above? Well, my um, basic uh, uh, website is drcarol.com, which is D-R-C-A-R-O-L-E.com. And then another website that's helpful in this particular coronavirus time, because a lot of the same things apply, is actually after 9-11, I became the terrorist therapist. Yeah. And so my website is terroristtherapist.com. And one of the things that uh, I did, I've written two books and I've done a lot of things to help people cope with the ongoing threat of terrorism. And my, my latest book is Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. And a lot of the things, a lot of the help that I give in that book actually can also apply uh, to this kind of um, trauma as well. Yeah. Oh, seriously, I mean, and I know we could probably should do we could do a whole show on this, but if we look at terrorist attacks, right, terrorist behavior, and 
what happens to people that are traumatized by it, exactly. I would imagine that folks are going through something quite similar. And we haven't even talked about, you know, what happens after this and PTSD from it. So, but I want to go back to have you go through your list. And I'm, I am curious to, to hear you talk about what you've discovered new in this. Okay. Um, but you know, you, you mentioned PTSD and that kind of goes with one of the symptoms of of terrorists, of uh, coronavirus stress syndrome that I mentioned sort of related a warning. Um, when 9-11 happened, they did studies that showed that people who watched hours and hours of television about 9-11, uh, particularly the Twin Towers falling, developed PTSD themselves, even though they were nowhere near the Twin Towers. Right. And I think we are going to be seeing that after this too. People who watch, because PTSD has to do with there being a life-threatening, um, a fear of a life-threatening thing happening to you. And just like a terror attack, coronavirus is a life-threatening thing that could happen to you. Of course, most cases, it's really important to emphasize this, most cases um, are have mild symptoms. But anyhow, to get back to, let's see, up to um, number seven, uh, calling in sick to work when you're not physically ill or keeping your children home from school when, when their school hasn't closed. Um, then, then eight, something that we were touched on before, xenophobia, the, um, you know, being afraid, crossing the street, well, now it's, now it's sort of past, but um, being afraid of being near, let's put it that way, people from China or from Italy or from any of the other countries where this was a hotbed. And then um, wearing a mask. And of course, we see people going around wearing masks, even though we've been told not to. Uh, except for doctors who are with a lot of coronavirus patients, they need it much more. They're being overwhelmed with the virus. And then the last one I mentioned, staying home until the pandemic passes, you know, that was uh, at the time, that was an overreaction. Now we're being told to do that. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, part of this too, and what we're talking about is we're talking about what are the actual emotional, mental, psychological, but more importantly, behavioral things to me. You know, the, when I mean by behavioral things, I'm talking about to what extent one will go to flip the switch from stress to mass hysteria. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. What it takes to flip that switch from one to the other. And I'd like for you to talk about that for a minute because we're in a crossover moment and I don't think we know it. I don't think we know the crossover moment we're in. And it's the moment by which um, maybe all reasoning and common sense takes a back seat, right? Where we decide we need to buy a hundred boxes of gloves. Or what we need to do is every time we walk through a doorway, we're bringing something to wipe off the handle. And I'm not saying you shouldn't take care of yourself, but there's a point by which you're isolating to the point where I worry, even after everything is said and done, and we say it is okay to go back out, I wonder if we will be able to do that. 
Yes, or if people will be so scared of what's out in the big bad world, including other people. I mean, that was one of the things, you know, we went from panic buying toilet paper to some people panic buying guns. Now I'm not saying anything bad about guns, you know, particularly, I'm just saying that if we're all holed up in our house and, and having this uh, mass hysteria, this psychosis, and we're, more people have guns, and you know, and someone comes to your door when you're not used to when you're when you're losing your humanity by not mixing with people. That's a very dangerous combination. Yeah, it is a dangerous combination. I want to ask you something interesting about this. I mean, we talked briefly about isolation. Isolation isn't always the same for everyone, and I just want to give you a, a perspective. Um, my friend said to me uh, not too long ago, she said, Pat, you're probably doing pretty well with isolation. And I looked at her and I said, well, what do you mean? <laughs> and, and she said, well, aren't you the one that scored so high on the introvert scale on the Myers-Briggs? They make you take it like four times. I said, yeah, that's true. That is me. <laughs> and, and, and so what that is, is like, like for me, maybe it'll take longer for the isolation factor to hit me. But more importantly, I have a job that connects me to the public. So there's isolation and then there's isolation. And we're not talking about real isolation for people, the kind of isolation for people that are causing them to ask the question, do I have what it takes to live, to continue to live, right? Yes. Um, you know, you talk about the point. How do you get to that point? Well, psychosis is being out of touch with reality. And when all you're feeding yourself all day is uh, this news about this horrendous thing that's going to kill you, and then you're not really interacting with people, um, and so you're not getting reality, you're not getting normality in your life. Um, and so you start to believe the things that, that, that you are going to die. You start to, you know, and again, the, um, the, the lethal lethality rate, the number the percentage of people who die, really, it is still in the, around the 1% for the United States. The, the lethality was higher in China and in Italy. And that is what's bringing the worldwide lethality rate higher, but it is really not the, the actual flu is higher than um, the coronavirus. And that somehow in news reports, that is now getting buried. They were talking about that at the beginning. And for whatever reason, they're now kind of burying that. But it is true. We have had thousands. I think um, the last time I checked, it was 16,000 people died in the U.S. from regular flu, this flu, this flu season. And so... Um, you know, going from 2019 to 2020 so far. So, so it's being so hyped and it is scaring us to death. Yeah. And um, if we don't, the less reality we have in our life uh, that is calming us and that is bringing us back to normal life, the more we're going to just get sucked into that. Yeah. And I think that, you know, here we are, right? And just the idea of not turning on the TV 
That act right there alone scares people beyond imagination because that seems to be our go-to for information, either that or the internet now. Um, But today's show, we're talking about how we're going from, you know, this uh, coronavirus, you know, stress syndrome to a point of hysteria, I want to ask you this question because I was pondering this this morning. I had a meeting with one of our Canadian friends, one of our hosts on the network. And we, she was talking about her life now. And while she was, you know, as we all are very aware, she has our kids with her, they're, you know, they're all together. She had a different calm about herself. And a light bulb went on for me about why that might be. Mm-hmm. And she said to me, yeah, we have a national strategy. And I thought about this. And she said, we are approaching this as a nation, mm-hmm. right? We are not taking the provident, the province over there of Ontario and the province over here where BC is and Saskatchewan in the middle, and we're not competing. They're not competing Hmm. for the resources. And I hadn't thought about this until I was watching our governor. We are in this country, even with what's going on with the coronavirus, We are now entering a level of competition between the states for resources that sounds like it's coming from some Orson Welles, Uh right? Mm -hmm. And that is a dimension here that isn't at these other places. Do you know what I'm trying to say? I mean, this country is approaching it very differently than these other countries. And I wonder what the fear factor of that is. You know, I think it goes to the fact that this came at a time when our country is more divided than ever politically. Mm. And um, people were fighting like that, even even not just the states, but like um, one state against the next, but even within the states, you know, the political parties. I mean, even now where that's coming up where uh, in terms of the packages that are going to be uh, uh, passed and all of that. Um, so we, I think we're a more contentious lot on the whole than Canadians. <laughs> I mean, after all, they have the national health system. Not that I'm uh, not that I think that's a good idea, but um, but I think that maybe they are more cooperative than we are. Um, so let's get back to where we started stress syndrome hysteria so i want to talk about the darkest side of hysteria and the solution right so what i mean by the darkest side the darkest side is the idea that i'm done i am so past the point mentally, emotionally, I just can't go on. You know, when you have a headline that calls the coronavirus the sneeze of death. Yes. 
And not everybody here has access to the same tools. People don't believe they're going to live and they really question their own strength to continue. And that's why for us, we're planning an entire channel to bring positive messages around this, but people are not wanting to go on. What do we do with those folks that are most vulnerable anyway in the suicide arena? Well, it is really difficult when we're being told not to be with people, you know, to um, even psychiatrists and psychology, mental health professionals uh, are doing, I'm giving my patients a choice. Um, if they want to come in, I'm happy to come in. Um, but if they want to do it over the phone or over Zoom or whatever, I'll do that. Um, but, you know, to go to... And it's not as good as being in the same room as with someone. I actually just today, fresh off the uh, fresh off the drawing board, I guess, uh, after reading about um, and having thought about this before in terms of isolation, that this is the ultimate worst uh, possible consequence, which is suicide. And so I developed a word called covicide, which means any suicide that is related in some way to coronavirus, whether it's the fear of it, of getting it, um, you know, and this comes from a lot of different things. People know now, if they've been watching the news, they've heard about uh, people dying from coronavirus, how it is a very lonely kind of death because you're in quarantine. And there have been stories about, you know, doctors who have uh, brought phones to patients who are dying so that they could have their last words with um, their loved ones. Um, it's just like 9-11. In so many ways, it's like 9-11. When people were uh, calling their loved, people in the Twin Towers were calling their loved ones for the last words. And it also, in terms of suicide, it makes me think of the people who jumped from the Twin Towers when it seemed like all was lost, that they were definitely gonna be perishing and they jumped out of the window. Um, there, were also, there was also a higher rate of suicide in the weeks that followed 9-11 for some of these same reasons. It feels like, it felt like life ended, uh, the life that they knew was ending or had ended. And then um, now, you know, with all the, with the stock market going crazy, and with um, people losing their jobs or being temporarily off or businesses closing and you don't know when they're gonna start again. And, and this is either people who have jobs, you know, um, or people and were laid off or, or, or even just their hours cut like in some restaurants. Um, and then there are people who their careers are like changed, you know, like for yeah. example, there's probably not going to be much call for captains of a cruise ship for a while. Right. Um, and people who, and, and people who, um, who are entrepreneurs and where it's very hard, of course, to sell things. I mean, yes, there's the internet, but it changes everything. So people who have devoted their lives to some career that they love, and now they're afraid that, is it ever going to come back the way it was? And then of course we have, you mentioned about families being uh, isolated together. 
you know, that's either going to make or break families, make yeah. or relationships. Yeah. They're going to um, find things about each other now that they have more time to fall in love, you know, and discover things about each other, or they're going to be reminded every day by the things that really irk them about the other person that was okay once they were going to work and didn't have to be with them 24 seven. But now that they do, can you imagine the things that bother you about somebody being having to be with that 24 seven? Oh my gosh. I was talking to a friend of mine who uh, sent me a message and said, OMG, you're so right about this. Because what I said to him is you're going to find out more about your family and your kids than you probably could have in a lifetime. Because he's like off, 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 traveling, working off. He just texted me and he said, OMG. <laughs> he says, I just found out my son doesn't like strawberry jam. Uh -huh. I, I mean, that might sound a little silly, but what he was saying to me was, and I'm really excited to find out more. But the fact that he made a pea, pea and peanut butter and jelly sandwich, right? Because he's trying to help out and he sits down with the kids and he's putting the sandwich together and he puts it as a strawberry because he likes strawberry and his little son pushes the plate away and uh -huh. says, dad. This is from the kid. That's so yesterday. I don't <laughs> like strawberry. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's precious at some level. It's precious, right? Well, you know, yes. And, and, and a lot of families really don't spend enough time um, these days. I mean, the family dinner, which was like the most important time of the day, has gone to, to by the wayside for so many families. And that, this, um, not being in touch with your kids has caused kids to have so many problems from drug abuse, you know, and, and so on. Um, so in, in a lot of families, it's going to be great. But for some families, like, um, you know, like if you happen to have a spouse uh, that abuses you, you know, physical abuse, that, that that's not going to stop uh, domestic violence. Yeah. That will get worse. Right. It you absolutely will. Uh, how do you deal with that? I mean, obviously you can still call 911 and people should and all of that. But um, so there's that uh, to contend with. And then if you've lost people yeah. to coronavirus or you've lost touch, just, just again, the isolation, the loneliness, which has a separate stressful impact than isolation. I mean, it's part of it, but it's well, unless you're with your family, <laughs> you know, in, in the same house. But I mean, um, the loneliness that people uh, will feel. And actually, even if you are with your family, you can feel loneliness when you're in a crowd. So there is that too, and that adds an extra layer. So, um, well, I, I wanna make a pitch with you for a minute. I wanna make a pitch for you and I. I wanna appeal. I'm not even going to appeal to the internet companies. I don't even want to touch that for a moment, but I do want to appeal to the cell phone companies. And here's what I want to appeal to them because no one is really appealing to them. Whether you're out there and your cell phone provider is one company or the other, I really want to appeal to the cell phone companies and have them remember how important cell phones were during 9-11. Mm. And what I want to say to all of them, whether your cell phone company starts with a V or starts with an A, it doesn't matter. 
I want to say to these folks, please stop trying to sell people upgrades. Please waive the next two to three months of their bill. Because the worst thing that a cell phone company can do right now is make it hard and disconnect service for the only way most people may have of communicating. Yes, that's a very good idea and very important. Absolutely. I hadn't realized, I, I guess I hadn't seen that, the ads for upgrading. But, but yes, I mean, I think uh, a, a number of companies um, are, are making, are trying to... Uh, to give something, to donate something basically to help people during this time uh, in terms of not having to pay for the service. Um, but yes, for that matter, cable companies for uh, internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think for you and I today uh, in wrapping this up, we have a powerful message for folks. And I want to ask you what yours is. And I want to thank you today, Dr. Carol, and please give out your website. What's your personal message? What would you like to leave us with today? My message is the most important thing is to not worry about, you know, all of the rules about where the coronavirus might be sitting and all of that, wor not worry about, but think about, focus on making yourself as healthy as possible, as psychologically healthy and as physically healthy as possible with the various things that we've been talking about today and reach out to other people and help them as well. Make a list of all the people you care about and reach out to at least three of them every day, morning, noon, and night. And um, and we can get through this, but you, you <laughs> stop believing that we're all gonna die. Yeah, and here's what I want to say to those families out there. Go get yourself a puzzle and put that puzzle together on your dining room table. You will be surprised at what putting a puzzle could do that has nothing to do with your internet. Dr. Carol, website one more time. Thank you so much. Uh, drcarol.com, D-R-C-A-R-O-L-E.com. Dr. Carol Lieberman, everyone, and you heard it here. We are all in it for you all. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back.